Good morning, everybody. This is Christopher Luce back with another podcast. This will be podcast five of eight podcasts. And this will cover the years 2006 to 2010. And what's interesting about that time frame is I was really, really developing from high school and going into my adult life. This was a big time for me. In 2006, I was a junior at Southwest Secondary Learning Center. I was doing well. I was taking a lot of classes, and I was feeling really good. I also had a sweetheart, Jessica James, and she was really a neat girl, but I don't think she knew that I liked her, but I did have a crush on her, and I will get more into that down the road. However, I liked Jessica James. I had given up on Allison Martinez, and you know what I thought? I'll just go with Jessica James. We click well. We get along well. She's got a good personality. Well, funny as it may seem, no one ever, nothing ever goes according to plan, as you well know. And to, in 2006, I was driving also. Driving was a big deal for me. I drove a 1987 gray Mazda. Now, this car was a nice little car. It got me around. It got me from point A to point B. You know, it it wasn't the nicest car in the world, but it got me around. And I remember one funny story. This was in my junior year. I was driving my car, and I went and got a movie I should not have gotten. I got the Amityville Dollhouse Evil Never Dies. Oh my gosh, I was in big trouble. I had ordered the movie at Barnes & Noble's, and then Mom that morning had said, I don't want you going to get that movie. And sure enough, I was followed down to the place, to Barnes & Noble's, picked up the movie, and then I get to school, I drive there, get out of my car, go inside. Later on, when I was coming out of school, my car had been towed. And there was Dad's right-hand man, James, sitting there saying, Dad, your dad sent me to pick you up. James was kind of like my chauffeur. He waited on me. Kept me out of trouble, most likely. But I got into a lot of trouble in those days. But it was funny how he could tow my car and how my parents knew. But my parents were always on the same page. You could never pull anything over their eyes, ever. It was like, it was, it was impossible to pull anything over their eyes. And that's how it was growing up, you know. In school, I did well. I was a good student. I did what I had to do. And then, after that, I graduated. Now, going into 2006, I was still landscaping. I'd been landscaping for a while, and I was going to school. Well, I started going more to landscaping full-time. And at that time, I was recruited for the military. The National Guard wanted me. In about 2007, in that range, they wanted me because they needed fresh bodies in Iraq. And in Iraq and Afghanistan, the war was in full swing. Soldiers were dying. You know, it was not a pleasant situation. So they needed fresh bodies. I remember I had a recruiter named Sergeant Bernie Romero. And he came to me and he said, I will buy you lunch if you get a 40 on the ASVAP. Well, I got a 42 and he bought me lunch. He told me he'd have my uniform ready. And once I signed the paperwork and went through the MEPS doctors and everything, that he would have me ready to rock and roll and go to boot camp. However, there was one situation. I went off of my meds, which was stupid. I'll never do that again. But I went off of my meds, and 
Mom noticed me starting to act up and misbehave a lot. She noticed I wasn't the same because my recruiter had told me he wanted me to get off the meds. He wanted me to get off of those. He wanted me to not be on them. He wanted me to flush my system out with water, then go to the MEPS doctors and tell them, hey, I'm not on any medication. However, that stuff always comes out in the wash. And for you, you young people wanting to go into the military, remember this. Your past will come back to bite you. And it may not be right away, but it will definitely bite you. So you've got to be very, very careful when you're signing up for the military. And you've got to make sure you, you, you're you on your medications that you're supposed to be on. Because the military doesn't allow you with medication. The military doesn't allow that. So I'm on my meds, having a jolly good time. I got back on them. I told the recruiter on the morning of the MEPS doctor visit, I said, this isn't for me. I said... I can't go into the military, and I went home. Romero was was fine with that, but I think he had missed out on a signature. You know, recruiters get paid by the signature. And, well, that was the end of my military career. Brief as it was, that was the end of it. And I went back on meds, and I knew military wasn't the life for me. Let me tell you guys something. Dishonorable discharge is nothing to laugh at, and that is where the where I would have gone or would have gotten one if I had gone down that route. May 3rd, 2007 was awesome for me. That was when I graduated high school. That was a big point in my life. So I'm at the Hispanic Cultural Community Center, and... They had a catered room for us. Scott Glassford had bought us our yearbooks. He was the administrator. He had bought us everything we could want. He bought us it all. He paid for our yearbooks, our caps and gowns, everything. And he even took us to a fine dining restaurant to, to get our yearbooks. And he paid for breakfast for us. Well, the day came to graduate. I didn't know how to tie a tie very well. So I'm going to dad asking, how do I tie a tie? And he tried to show me how to tie a tie, and I YouTubed it. Still couldn't get it. Finally, it was Scott Glassred who helped me get my tie right. Because to graduate, I had to wear a tie. I had to be in a nice, nice dress clothes, and I had to wear a cap and gown. My cap and gown was blue, and if I show you pictures of that someday, I will. You can see that I was blue cap and gown. The students I graduated in was a class of... 23, 24. There wasn't a lot of us, and it was a smaller class because I went to a smaller school where everything was done on computers. But physical education was done physically, as you know, PE, physical education. We did do that, and that wasn't done on a computer, and so was weight training. I weight trained a lot in high school, and I got that as a credit to graduate. And that's where I got my muscle. And I will tell you a little thing about weight training. I had a physical education instructor, Carol Knobber, and she was insane. She would say, push it, boy, push it, push it. She worked me to death. She was intense, and I weight trained a lot, and then I kind of got burned out from weight training, and I don't do it much to this day. So in 2007, I graduate high school. I get my diploma. Mom and dad have a massive party for me. I got over 700 in cash and gift cards they had a big party. Everybody gave me gifts. It was great. It was the greatest feeling in the world. And I remember graduating and getting my certificate, them calling my name, and I walk on stage and they present me my diploma. And Scott Glassrud, I posed with him and Dolly Juarez, and I posed with them in the picture and then went back to my seat. 
It was a great feeling to graduate. And I remember dad telling me, you did it, attaboy. That made my dad very, very proud. By the time I was graduated high school, I spent the summer getting ready to go to college. I landscaped a lot. But basically, I quit landscaping soon after high school because I was going to college. Going to college was not easy for me. And I started my fall semester of college after I'd quit landscaping, and it was difficult. I failed the basic math class two times. I failed a lot of my classes, and I'd screw around in computer class. You know, I, I was not a good student in college, and I think partially I was burned out from high school, and that made me not really want to do college. I was studying business management. That was my major, and I would be in college for a year. Then it was at that time that I became a head coach at Southwest Secondary Learning Center. Well, I wish, not the head coach, I became the assistant coach. It was a volunteer job and I got it through Scott Glassrud and I got it through my friend Nate Alton. Nate was still on the team. Nate was a late bloomer. He graduated later than me. Coaching was awesome. That was the greatest feeling in the world. I have a shirt to this day that has the names of my players on the back. And we had a very good squad. And I remember the first day walking in, I was in boots, jeans, and a t-shirt. And Coach Farinelli, Coach Steve Farinelli, he says to the kids, the players, he says, this is Coach. You can call him Coach Chris, Coach Luce, or Coach. You will call him those three names and nothing else. And if Coach has the whistle, you do as he says. He's the coach. So as I started coaching, we went through the basics, the fundamentals, the footwork, the dribbling, keeping your eyes up. A good point guard has to keep his eyes up when dribbling down the court. And we had our guys. We had a big center named Jacques. We had a good point guard named Cameron Glassrud. We had Aaron Kabinski, Cody Cockerham, all of these good players. And we had Austin Canales, who was a shooting forward or small forward, whatever you want to call it. So we, we, we really felt that we had a good team and we traveled played a lot of games and co I coached in a lot of games that we had two rivals the homeschoolers and Calvary Christian and I tell you we did not like each other the homeschoolers were a very good school they had guys that were big they had guys that had beat some 1a schools in Texas they claimed anyway or 3a they were very good at coaching and they were good at playing they had everything good coaches, good players. They were the complete deal. And they were good. Calvary Christian was the same way. They had one player, Marcelo Dionigio, and he was the motivation behind my business idea that I will share with you a bit later on. But I will give you a hint. Who doesn't think that, I mean, this is for parents out there. Are you tired of your kids not getting exposure to colleges? Are you tired of your kids not getting into basketball and not getting the looks from colleges that they deserve? Well, my business is going to target that and help out in communities. And really, I'm going to get going and trying to get 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 kids and players a, on a college playing ball and get them no, noticeability with smaller schools. And as I coached, we won a lot of games and we went to the playoffs. And that was awesome. So we get to the playoffs, and we beat our opponents one at a time. Then came Cavalry Christian. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Don't get me started on those guys. We didn't like them to begin with. 
But Calvary Christian was very competitive. They had very interesting tactics, I should say, on what they did. They would get at the midcourt and they would dance on our court. And to us, that was an insult. It's like, you're dancing on our court. What are you doing chanting and dancing on our court? That's our house. And I told my guys, I said, we defend our house. And I would bump them during warm-ups and they'd be doing layups. And I'd bump them and they said, why'd you bump me, Coach Chris? And I said, that's because you need to make sure you're, you're, you're making those. You're going to get bumped in games. Well, as it goes on, that I'd never earned their respect till I got on the line and ran suicides with these guys. And then I became Coach Chris. But that applies to anything in life. I've got to earn respect. And all of you listeners, I've got to earn your trust and respect. I want you to know I would never make anyone do anything I'm not willing to do. And that's that's me. So coaching was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a blast. It was one of the most rewarding things I ever did. And as I coached, I got a feel for how to be a leader. That was the training ground to becoming the leader I wanted to be. I had been an overseer in Tony Gardino's landscaping business, but you know, it was just with a bunch of drunk Native Americans. We were working to get gravel shoveled and they drank beer and it was whatever. But coaching gave me my first voice it gave me, I started to develop a voice and a leadership role of what I wanted my guys to do and my expectations. To this day, they still call me Coach Chris. So here comes the final round, Calvary Christian. We're happy. We're excited. We study all of the film on Calvary Christian. I studied it with the coaches. We looked at it. The problem we had was we beat the press. They were running a press and I had asked a homeschooler how to beat the press, a homeschool coach. And he said, he told me how to do it. I won't go into detail on it, but he told me how to do it. Well, that was the one thing Coach Farinelli didn't do a lot of. He didn't break the press. And we had it broken for a while, but then we started to falter. We were leading 14 to 9 at halftime. And I remember coming out of the locker room, amping the crowd up and getting everybody fired up. I, had, I was a coach. I had to get everybody excited. So 14 to 9 was the score. We had two eight-minute periods left. I get out there, and I'm amping the crowd up. I'm like, it's game day, guys. You know, I'm getting them riled up and ready to go. Well, Calvary Christian came with their game. And my point guard, Cameron Glassrud, top 25 point guard in the nation, one of the greatest, got caught up in a little bit of trouble. Calvary Christian, and I saw it, kept tugging on his jersey. They kept tugging on him. They kept impeding him. And he got so mad, he got a warning from the ref the first time not to talk to the ref to go to the captain, and the captain would go to the ref. Cameron had a big ego, good kid, but he had, he had problems with authority. Well, the ref, then the second time, the ref gave him a T and he was ejected. Cameron was one of our best players, and that was when Aaron Kabinsky went in. Aaron Kabinsky would play at New Mexico State out of La Cueva High School. But anyways, Cameron was benched. He was ejected from the game. And I remember there's video of me telling him, sit down on the bench before you get us into trouble. You're going to get us into more trouble. General rule of basketball is a player has to be on the bench even when he's ejected. So anyways, um, Cameron got two technicals and and, and I kept telling him, ignore Calvary Christian. Ignore these guys. Let them pull on you. Just play your game. He didn't listen, though, and he never really listened to me much. 
But, you know, at the same time, coaching is tricky. You're dealing with young men, young personalities. You're dealing with a lot of a lot of a lot of different different backgrounds. So with Cameron, it was like, okay, you know, we lost the game, we took second place trophy, and it was devastating. But, you know, I did learn from that that hey, we can do anything. Our team can do anything we want to in life. Meanwhile, I was going to college at that time. I was budgeting college and I was budgeting coaching at Southwest. College was not good for me. I went through business management. I loved business class. That was great. But I didn't like the other classes. I slept in computer class. I didn't do my best work. So it came to the point where I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to DVR. I need a job. So I went to Division of Vocational Rehabilitation and I met Susan Lopez. She was a very good lady. She worked out a plan and I met Juanita Smith in 2008. I met her about 2007 to 2008. Juanita Smith helped me get a job at Walmart. She worked with me. She coached me. She helped me fill out the forms and the applications to help get me a job. Thus began my Walmart career. I quit college and went to work at Walmart because, you know, you have to pay bills. Walmart in itself in 2008 was great. My hire date was April 16, 2008. And I was glad when I went in there and Tina Chiafalo interviewed me. No, Tina Flores. I know a Tina Chiafalo. I worked with her at Dollar Tree. But it was Tina Flores who interviewed me. She was a manager and she was my mentor. And then there was John. There was John Montoya. John Montoya was the kind of man that was a very good leader. He had been there a while. He was in charge of electronics. So I interviewed well, went to my went and got my drug testing done. Then I came back and they started me at Walmart. I went through orientation. I learned about Walmart's codes and their rules and laws and what they have to work there. And this was in Rio Rancho, mind you. Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where I got hired at Walmart. Walmart was very good for me. I started in electronics. I stocked movies. I sold TVs. I just did anything that was required of me in electronics. Get video games for customers, get movies, whatever the case. Well, Andy Padilla was the store manager, and I loved Andy Padilla. He was like a figure in my life. I had a lot of respect for him. So while there were co-managers, Andy Padilla was the store manager, and then there was Tina Flores, who was the assistant manager. She was in charge of me. Then John Montoya was my immediate boss. John Montoya played in a band, by the way. But John Montoya taught me a ton of stuff. And I remember us doing an overnight thing, which looks really good for getting organized. If you can do overnight shifts, we redid electronics, then it looks really good for managers. And my goal was to get get promoted. That was my goal at Walmart was to get promoted. You know, so one day I sold the most TVs out of anyone in electronics. Andy Padilla had hosted a contest. Whoever sold the most TVs gets to go to lunch with the store manager. I was made fun of. Everybody laughed at me. Everybody mocked me. And, you know, they said, you're going on a date with Andy. They were teasing, you know. But in week one, I sold $10,000 worth of TVs and electronics. Week two, I sold $15,000 worth of TVs and electronics. So 
it was insane the amount of TVs I sold. But it wasn't hard because customers came in and they knew what they wanted and you had to just fit the TV to them. I went, to, I went out and ate with Andy Padilla on two of these trips. We ate at Red Lobster and can you believe it? Andy left a $20 tip. No, maybe it was 50. He left high, heavy duty tips. So we eat at Red Lobster and Chili's and during that time, Andy Padilla asked me, he says, what do you want in your life? What do you want from this store, Walmart? What do you want in your career? And I said, I wanna be promoted. I wanna work the ranks. Andy said, that's a good goal. He said, what about long-term? I told him, I wanna be a store manager. I wanna be up there one day. Crazy as it gets, Andy made my dream happen. And that was the first time I ever got promoted to a management role in a company. And that was a big deal. So it was about uh, 2009, five months later, I got promoted. And mind you, I had earned it. I felt I had earned it. I had to clean up turds from the floor that human beings had gone to the bathroom and they had made a mess. And I had to clean that up when the fire alarm went off. I did a lot of dirty tasks. And it was, it was messy. So while I'm getting promoted at Walmart and I had done all of this dirty work, you know, it was, it was a good rewarding experience. I felt I'd earned it. Now, a CSM was an interesting position. I put in for it. I was in charge of a front end, alcohol sales, cashiers, all of that good jazz. So as I became a customer service manager, I had to go get alcohol certified, but the interview process was interesting. They interviewed me and I got the job in one night. Ronaldo interviewed me and suddenly he said, I'll tell Andy, I interviewed well, Andy promoted me in four months. The rule was you had to be six months at Walmart to get promoted, but I got it in four. They decided they wanted me to, have a, to get it. So I became the customer service manager, the front end, and I was on cloud nine. It was a raise. I was doing well. I carried keys and a walkie-talkie radio to talk into. So I trained cashiers, managed the books, um, gave cash to the cashiers and did alcohol sales. I had to get alcohol certified. And so my alcohol certification went for about six years all the way to 2014. And it was a good feeling. I struggled at first though. Tina was a great mentor, and I worked with some very difficult, difficult people. But Tina Flores was the manager of the front end, and she was great. She mentored me. She helped me learn everything. She broke it down. She taught me until I got it right. And, you know, what's funny is I struggled with money. I always have. Even in college when they said money buys more money, that's true. But I struggled counting money. I struggled taking cash. I had to do audits. And then on top of that, I had to be backup cashier. It was not an easy job. And on Christmas Eve, I ran that whole store by myself. On Christmas Eve, I was the only front-end manager up there. And I was flying back and forth. Grandma Sophie, as we called her, said, oh, she said, you just got to calm down. Well, I went from days to nights. I went to graveyard shift. And I was a customer service manager of graveyard. And that was even better. I swear by Graveyard to this day, and that was when I met Holly Tao. Holly was an interesting character. She was, she was night maintenance, and I was a daytime CSM. And then I went to nights, and I met Holly. Holly was nighttime maintenance. I was nighttime CSM. 
That was when we met. It was love at first sight. I fell in love with Holly, and we were together after that. And I remember one day asking her, Holly, will you go out with me? I'd understand if you didn't want to. And Holly said, yes, she'd go out with me. We went on a first date, Chili's, and then after that, we really got to know each other, and we got intimate, and we really liked each other. And meanwhile, I continued my career at Walmart. Walmart on Graveyard Shift is different. So you get all the spoiled food. You have to put returns away. You don't necessarily deal with customers a lot or groceries, but you have to get rid of spoiled milk, bread, meat. You have to destroy all that. And then you have to put returns away because customers return their stuff to Walmart all the time and returns have to be put away. That is very, very difficult when you have someone putting your returns away. Um, we put a lot of those away and I struggled with that too. And I was under a lot of pressure from management to do that. But I had a good, there was a good CSM that worked with me, Paulina and Paulina helped get everything done. And then as time went on, I would stock the shelves on gra on graveyard shift and I would be the manager. I would run the show, call breaks and lunches and keep the stalkers in line. And we'd be jamming to music while we did it. It was a great environment at Walmart. Then it got more interesting when my Uncle Bill came along. As you know, Uncle Bill had eight kids. Uncle Bill came into Walmart and they loved him from the get-go. They thought he was God himself. And Uncle Bill complimented me and said, you come highly recommended. And I said, thank you. I said, and I taught my uncle how to be a CSM. Well, they promoted him in about eight months they promoted him to assistant manager. He had a lot more experience than me. And so they pushed me out to a store near my place on Wyoming and Manal in Albuquerque. I became, that store was opening and it was Walmart. They transferred me out. A guy named Randy, a manager, wanted to get me at that Walmart. So it, it, that was interesting being around Randy. So R R Randy, however, was was telling me that he wanted me very, very badly. And Randy really wanted me. So they get me over to Walmart. They pull me in. They get me there. And I took a pay cut, though. But I was a customer service manager. I was a senior CSM, and I trained the new guys. That's where I learned to interview. My interview skills, I can detect crap from an interviewee. I can detect it. I can tell if they're lying. I can tell their personality. I can tell what they're doing. I can tell if they're genuine. And it's reading body language. And are they telling the truth? That type of thing. So as I interviewed these guys, I knew that I would have to really, really, really focus on, their, 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 on getting them a job if I could. So anyways, this concludes part one of podcast five. And I will be back very, very soon with part two of this podcast. It's a very long one, like I say, and I really need to break it down.